I'm on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CHP, see the phenol. Hey, you. Involved. 
This is the premiere show of the Tailgate Crew. And again, my name is Jermaine. I'm going to bring in my, my special guest host. Well, he's not even a guest. He, he's going to be my co-host for this show, my man T-Rex. T-Rex, how you doing today? Doing lovely, man. I just want to say thank you for being the host of the Tailgate Crew show. It's definitely a, a blessing to be on, man. How, how, how does it feel? Man, this is this is a dream come true. I'm getting to do something that I love to do, and I love talking about football. And without further ado, we're going we're gonna to step into this daily devotional real quick. This is something I'm going to do every Saturday. And today's Bible verse is from Second Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge. Leaders are, leaders are lifelong learners. They know the success of their team is dependent on the sum of their team members' efforts. They are good listeners. They know how to manage the people that look up to them and make them feel appreciated. As a leader, you should stand on the scripture. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. He's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. For this reason, make every effort to add your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control. Into self-control, perseverance. Into perseverance, godliness. Into godliness, brotherly kindness. Into brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep from being ineffective and unproductive. Note the word add. Whether you're a leader at home, the workplace, or the church, you must keep learning and growing. When you continually invest in yourself, over time the inevitable result is, is growth. Although it's true that some people are born with greater natural gifts than others, the ability to lead is really a collection of skills, nearly all of which can be learned and improved. But the process doesn't happen overnight. Leadership is complicated, has many different facets, such as respect, experience, emotional strength, people skills, discipline, vision, momentum, and timing. The list goes on and on. That's why leaders require so much seasoning to be effective. The truth is, to keep on leading, you must keep on. You must keep learning, and the learning process is ongoing, resulting from self-discipline and perseverance. Your goal must be to get a better, to get a little better each day, to build on the previous day's success, and to learn from its failures. Solomon put it this way: A wise man will hear and increase learning. And that's the weekly devotional for for this week. And Terrence. Yes, sir. That? that was awesome, man. It's definitely, definitely good to, to start each show off acknowledging the Most High, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it's, it's definitely good to get that out to people because that can actually reach out to someone that's that's tuned in and listening to the show. Most definitely, most definitely. Before we get started, we're gonna play a song real quick. We're gonna, we're gonna get a little, we're gonna get a little bit of a of a getaway going, Terrence. We, we're gonna get away into the Pac-12 in just a few minutes. But I'm gonna play my man Connor Cassidy and his song "Getaway," and we'll be right back.
people still searching for this truth here. Welcome back to the Press Box. This is the Tailgate Crew with Jermaine Houston on air with my man T-Rex. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely enjoying that Connor Cassidy. Oh, yeah. Enjoy him a lot, man. Big shout-out to Connor Cassidy. And hopefully we'll get together sometime and we can get, we can get some theme music going. Uh, but let's jump, in, let's jump into something that I, I love to call football. We're about 70, 80 days out until the first game of the season. And coincidentally, the first game of the season is actually happening in the in the Pac-12. So we're going to jump into the Pac-12. And Athlon's got their, got their predictions out pretty early this year in regards to the in, in regards to the Pac-12. And they've also got their, their players of the year and also their, their preseason mm-hmm. – the preseason lineups. So 
let's jump into that real quick. And I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at at this at the first team offense and you know Cody Kessler, you know the USC quarterback, really big arm, really nice arm. You know he he's that first team quarterback. And then you know we're looking at the Pac-12 as a whole. And for me, this may be the year of the quarterback in the Pac-12, even though there's a lot of other schools in the Pac-12 that are replacing players. What do you think of that, T-Rex? Well, you know, Marcus Mariota was was the man of, of, of the Pac-12 and also the Heisman Trophy winner. It's, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of good quarterbacks in that league. That's a quarterback league this year, especially. Uh, I know in the past, you know, the SEC had a lot of quarterbacks, but this is probably the year that the Pac-12 could actually compete with the SEC with, with the quarterbacks that they have. Uh, I know you was mentioning about Cody Kessler from uh, USC. He's definitely probably going to be the Player of the Year in that conference, and going to give. USC pretty much a legitimate shot at the playoffs. And, you know, they haven't been near a national championship since um, the 2004 season, you know, when Reggie Bush was there and Matt Leiner. But this team right here, led by him, they, they have a legitimate shot. So, you know, the quarterback is, is definitely the key to to success in football. And, and the Pac-12 is, is very stout with, with them. And I and I definitely agree with that, T Rex. And you know, the one thing that the the one thing that he has on his side is he's got some he's got some veteran linemen. He's got some got some nice mm-hmm. veteran receivers. He did lose Nelson Aguilar who went in the first round of, of this year's NFL draft. And he's also got a great defense behind him also led by cornerback kick return extraordinaire uh Adore Jackson. Uh so this is going to be some it's going to be some great things that's going to happen with USC, um, you know, um, on this in this group of guys in this in this first team. You know, you got the center Max Turk who could have came out early, but decided to come back for his senior year. Toa Lobendon who who came in and just ran wild, you know, as an offensive guard, you know, in the in the system and. Um, also, Vianney uh, Talamaivo. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- th- these are some great offensive linemen, and you know he's also got some got some some young running backs behind him. But you know, looking at looking at the state of of the Pac-12, and particularly the Pac-12 South, USC has a chance to win. The Pac-12 South this year, and that's that's very surprising for me to see, um, because the Pac-12 South has a has that that reputation, kind of like the SEC West and kind of like the Big 12 East, of cannibalizing themselves. So, if you can mm-hmm. make it out of that Pac-12 South and actually win the Pac-12 championship, because the last few times, you know. That that Pac-12 South has been the best division, but not necessarily the best school, you know, due to the Oregon influence. So, but with that being said, you know we're we're gonna jump into some more other um other all other all the all Pac-12 team uh, from mm-hmm. the defensive side of the ball. A lot of there's a lot of 
of UCLA influence on this on, on this uh, team also. I mean, from Kenny Clark, Andy Vanderdose, Miles Jack, who was the freshman of the year, both offensively and defensively, two years ago, has made the move to exclusively being a run, being a linebacker. But there's some some talk that he's going to possibly move back and run the ball a little bit more uh, as a running back. So you may see him go both ways again. Yeah, I like Miles Jack, man. He's a, he's a throwback player because, you know, years ago, probably before our time, a lot of people played both sides of the ball. And that's good that you can just plug somebody in that's, that can play linebacker and, and also run the ball. I was very – very uh, skeptical of that, especially in college, you know, because college is just, a, you know, upgrade from high school. You got some of the best young talent in, in the nation that's playing. And I know I, was, I got to watch one of the games where they actually had switched him to running back. I think it might have been one of the first games that he did it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like, like lights out. And if you got that kind of special talent, I, I'm all for that, you know playing both sides of the ball. You, you know, you just the game is so fast and people are so strong now, you just had to be kind of careful because of injuries and and, and you just got to make sure you take care of your body. But, yeah, Miles Jack, I, I like him. He's like he's like a Swiss army knife. <laughs> uh, you know what? That, that, that was that was the exact, the exact thought I had in my mind. I mean, like, if you look at, if you look at guys who are just exclusively defensively, defensive-minded, and look at the guys who are both ways, you see them kind of know the game in a way that you don't see the game from a fan's perspective. You know, you see it from a from as a as if it was a video game and you're strategizing. I mean, that's basically what Miles Jack reminds me of at times. Yes, indeed. I, I definitely, I definitely agree agree with that, and I hope that his play will help elevate UCLA as well because uh, they're coming off a semi-disappointing season because they was one of the favorites to, to come out of the conference besides Oregon. And then, you know, you always have USC. But I think with, with his play and with, with his leadership, he can he can help elevate U, um, UCLA to possibly can overtake USC or, or Oregon in the conference. Mm-hmm. So I, that would definitely be a wild card on their team to be on, to be on the lookout for. I mean, they had a stellar recruiting class. I mean, UCLA had probably one of the best classes of any team on the West Coast. Uh, if you look at some of the some of the players they got, they got um, Soso Jamambo, who recently mm-hmm. got arrested for uh, for um, mar- um, marijuana possession uh, in Texas. You know, from the state of Texas, um, also landed. Um, Snoop Dogg's son, uh, Cordell, who was a a receiver and could actually play very early. I mean, he's got that kind of talent to play very early. Um, So, I mean, they've got some great pieces there. They also got a great quarterback that uh, signed early from from the Trinity League, from that that Southern California area um, named – Name I lose his name right now, but he could come in and he could play early as well. Um, actually, he did play in the spring game and and looked really really well. Um, but let's let's jump into some let's jump into some team predictions now. I mean, since we, since we've talked about a lot of the players on on the all conference team, 
you know, let, let's start let's start off with the Pac-12 North, and the Pac-12 North is is again very stacked, and you know, I think the class of the league is is that Pac-12 North because of the conference titles that they've won in the last few years, um, notably Oregon. You know, they have to replace a quarterback, but they've also gained a quarterback in a graduate transfer of Vernon Adams from Eastern Washington. So, um, let's let's jump into that. Give me give me your predictions on on who may win and who may win that big tw- that Pac twelve North. Well, the Pac twelve North, you know, you got to go with the glamour team, Oregon. They are team that played in the national championship game of course and and they end up losing to a a good Ohio State team by the way they couldn't do it with Marcus Mariota now and they got Vernon Adams coming in from um, Eastern Washington mm-hmm. um, you had to go with him but I just want to see how he's going to develop because you know, the FCS is, is, is a step below playing in the FBS and he, from what I heard, he's a very phenomenal phenomenal athlete. But I don't know if that's going to translate to the Pac-12. But what is his learning curve? Uh, will, will he be able to adjust early? Because I know they got a big matchup against Michigan State to uh, week determine three. if – Yes, week three. So he got those first couple of weeks to kind of get get his feet wet in, in the Pac-12 and playing in the FBS. But week three is going to really determine how – how his learning curve is, it, will he be able to lead them toward a, uh, a conference title and, and possibly making it to the playoffs? Because he is going to be the key factor of that team. He's going to be the make or break player on that team because he is the quarterback as well. So I still have them winning the Pac 12 North right now, but you got to also look at Stanford. Stanford always have a great team, and then and Washington. You know, Chris Peterson, you know, this is his second year there. You definitely got to be on the lookout for them. They could be the boys that stay of Pat of the Pat 12 because <laughs> he, he has recruited well. And and I do agree with that. And he and he's keeping a lot of the in state the in state players coming to Washington instead of going to Wazoo or going to Eastern Washington. And, you know, speaking of speaking of Chris Peterson I mean, he did very well his first year in in the in the major five conference. Uh eight and five, you know, first year quarterback Silent Miles, um, mm-hmm. who can only get better. So, I mean and he and they've got a pretty stout defense too, even though they've lost a couple of players on that on that side of the ball as well. Um but for me, again, I think like you said, the class of the of the Pac twelve North is Oregon. I also love what Oregon State's done with uh, with uh, their longtime coach uh, Mike Riley moving on to Nebraska, and they bring in Wisconsin head coach Gary Anderson, who's going to give them some sort of attitude. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but it's going to be an attitude change there. And you may see some games between Oregon and Oregon State that's going to get grimy and dirty. Um, and again, Stanford, Stanford, Oregon is going to be a big game. And you know, Oregon's got a Oregon's got a pretty good road to hold um, in the Pac-12 this year. I mean, they they I think they have to go to um, 
if I'm not mistaken, they go to they're at Stanford this year, and then they go, then they come down and they play um they play at Arizona State this year, and you know, in mm-hmm. Arizona State, it's no slouch. So, I mean, October 29th, you know, and into that month of November for Oregon is going to be very, very big. Um, I believe. Well, let me if they well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this then, because you know, uh, you know, I was saying Stanford gonna be number two team, you know, maybe to come out of the Pac-12 North. But you got Kevin Hogan; he, he he's very experienced, and see, experience is is, is gold in, in in college football. So, do you think that Kevin Hogan will be able to maybe prepare Stanford over Oregon? Because toward the end of the year, he 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 played pretty well, and like I said, still we really don't know. How Adams was gonna he's gonna turn out? You know, and, and that's a good question. And you know, the one thing that I the, the one question that I have about Kevin Hogan, as opposed to any of the other experienced quarterbacks in the Pac-12 North, is he made some untimely mistakes last year, uh, particularly mm-hmm. in the middle of that season when they had that that little bit of a breakdown where they lost like two like two or three games last year. Um, I think if he can if he can clean up the turnovers and become a game manager again instead of trying to put the game on his shoulders, I think that he'd be a whole lot better player because he's not he's not that game breaking quarterback that everybody thought that he would be. He's a game manager, and you know by him being that game manager, his first year in, they make it to a bowl game and win ten games. This past year, you know they only won eight games. So, you know, mm-hmm. there has to be a trade-off with him. You know, either, you, either you're going to make him or you're going to break him. And I think that they should just basically let him be a game manager. I agree. You know, and, you know, and we look at the other side of, of the bay at, um, at Cal. I think Jerry Goff is going to have a breakout season. I think I think Cal can be – that dark horse in the in the in the Pac-12 North that nobody talks about because of the past few years post Tedford, post Jeff Tedford, um, with that whole situation, you know, one and ten, one and eleven, you know, last year going six and seven, and making it to a bowl game. I think that you know a lot of people are sleeping on Cal, and Cal can actually. And sneak up on people and actually actually win the Pac-12. I'm sorry, and I have that wrong. They were five and seven last year. They lost their last game. I, I definitely forgot about that. But um, they've got some great pieces there, offensively and defensively, that could that could push them over the top. Yeah, I I think I think they could be the dark horse team. Um, just like in pros, you know, you can always you hear the term. Um, from worst to first, and definitely mm-hmm. that can happen in college as well too. Depending on how how well coached they are during the springtime, and then of course the summer workouts leading up to uh, the new season. See, last year, like you said, they did go five and seven, but they only lost four games by eight points or less. So if they can find a way to win those close games, 
those four games that they lost, they can easily turn that around quick uh, to to be a nine and three team with, with those that four game turnaround. So if they can capitalize off of that and then also get more comfortable with Sonny Dykes' uh, offensive um, you know philosophy and everything, and then then they got the, the, um, a good returning quarterback with Jared Goff and then running back uh, Lasco. This team could be a dog horse. I, I kind of agree a with you. Very on that. good team, a very good team. And you know, the only thing that that's making me like kind of skeptical about them is mm-hmm. I think they probably have the toughest schedule in the Pac-12 conference, the conference schedule-wise, anyway, because they have crossover games against USC, UCLA, Arizona State, and Utah, and those are all. You know, four to six teams that I think are the top four of the Pac-12 South. So, and then they also play at Oregon and at Stanford this year. So, I mean, woo, they they got a tough road. They've got a tough road to hold, but I think that they can, if they can pull off wins against Utah and a win against one of the LA schools, I think that they'll be okay to make to make a run for six and six, seven and five, and if they can get it together, like you said, maybe a nine and three type season. So, um, but I'm I'm really I'm really banking on them to be one of those dark horses. Okay, because I know um, prediction wise, they uh, predict to go six and six, which hey, that's bowl eligible. So. Even, right. even if they don't go nine and three, six and six will be good to go to a bowl game, and then maybe they can win that, and then that can propel them to a, to a good twenty sixteen campaign. So, uh, you know, the, the jury is out on 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 Cal there on on what they're gonna be able to do this year. Right, and and I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I think, and and like you said, I think that two thousand sixteen is more or less their year. I think they're about a year away. So is. Another team that we haven't talked about, and that's the fighting, fighting, fighting Cougars of uh, Washington State. You know, quarterback uh, Mike, uh, Coach Mike Leach. You know, in that in that squad up there. You know, the question is with them is the quarterback play. You know, they lost Connor Holiday, who who went on to graduation, who, who graduated. Um, lost some lost some receivers also. But they've also re- re- returned a couple of receivers like Gabe Marks. Um, so um, I think Washington State, you know, even though they made a bowl game last year, I think they're going to take a step back this season because basically because of the quarterback play and struggling defense. You know, he didn't really go out and get much defensively. Um, but I think that for the most part, I think that. They can, they can make six and six, but I don't see them doing six and six. I see them doing five and seven. Um, maybe, maybe pull off a couple upsets here and there like they did at the end of last season. So I mean, uh, what do you yeah, think? I feel kind of bad. I feel kind of bad about Washington State. I, I just, I just don't see them having a good season because, like you said, they lost Connor Holiday. And then now they got a new defensive coordinator, which exactly. their defense lost for the one point nine points in Pat Twelve game. And you know Pat Twelve is like a shootout, <laughs> like like the old yeah. West. You just gonna go go at it. 
because you got teams in the Pac-12 that's going to put up 45 easy. So until they get comfortable with Alex Grinch as their new defensive coordinator, they're going to allow a lot more points than what they've put up. So I don't really don't I really don't feel good about Washington State chances this year. I, I really probably, don't either. Probably and, five and seven team or four and eight. And if they can squeak off, like you said, a couple of upsets and get to six and six to where they can get a bowl game, that's always good for, for the kids there because they get extra practices in. And then also they get to prepare and play in the game and that, and hopefully can win and, and catapult them to going to a good spring in the 2016 season. But I just kind of feel kind of skeptical about Washington State. And then with Mike Leach probably been on a hot seat because – He's not delivering like he did at Texas Tech when they was winning ten games easy a season. Right, and you know, and in Texas you got you have a bigger selection of players, you have a better collection of of players that you can that you can pull from in that pool in the state mm-hmm. of Texas. Whereas, you know, in the in the north in the Pacific Northwest, I mean, like you either got you either got to go into Nevada and California. And mostly you're going into Southern California and you're going into looking at some of these some of these big time schools. You're battling some of these big time schools for talent, you know, that could go either way. But they're probably gonna stay either in state or they're gonna go up and play for some of the glamorous teams like Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, you know, if they got the grades or whatever. Um, so I mean with that being said, you know, they've They've had a really tough recruiting uh, stage also. I mean, and a lot of people, you know, don't really know what to expect from Mike Leach because of the reputation that he had at at Texas Tech of being a a hard coach and also causing injuries and hiding injuries away from, from parents. So I think that, you know, that's part of the reason of why he hasn't had those great uh, recruiting classes as he should as he should have. But with that being said, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. CSK one rack try it. Price tag. Barely planted dough. You say you buy it. Hey, where they do that at? Quit flipping. You say you buy it. Get money on the floor. You spending money. Hey, why this all you flipping? Turn up. You saving money. Won't you throw a rack? I blow it. You blowing money. Won't you throw a stack? I blow it. I put your rack. I blow it. I put your rack. Hey, hey. I show you how to burn a stack. One rack. Two rack. Three rack. Money on the floor, spilling plenty dough. We 
much money on the floor, it's kind of slippery now. Get a cautious sign, man, so much money on the floor. Call these hoes, gonna break they neck to get to this dope. You saving money, won't you throw a rack? You blowing money, won't you throw a stack? I put your rack. about football season. I know next week, you know, you know, give them a shout out next week to all my Big 12 brethren because that's what we'll be talking about next week. But right now it's the Pac-12. It's all about the Pac-12. So let's let's get back into it. Uh, we haven't we haven't touched base on Oregon State as of yet, and with the addition of Gary Anderson to that to that squad uh, as head as of head Beaver, I can say. <laughs> 
Oregon State is probably with the attitude that he's going to bring and with the way that he runs, he wants to run the ball. With Stormwoods there, um, Stormwoods being there, and a lot of the other things that have gone going on, you know, they're losing a lot of defensive players. They're losing a lot of a lot of um, offensive players, and with that being with with that one person being Sean Mannion, they really need to find a quarterback, and hopefully they find a quarterback to hand the ball off to Stormwoods because you know they've got some great receivers in Victor Bolden and Jordan Billman, you know. And also the offensive line is pretty much a bit of a hmm, pretty much a bit of a of a hmm, a hit or a miss. Um, what do you think of that, T. Rex? I think Oregon State is going to struggle as well. Um, they got to get adjusted to Gary Anderson. He was, he is a good hire for them. He put up a. Pretty good record at Wisconsin there. I I was kind of shocked that he left Wisconsin to go to Oregon State, but go back to Oregon State. But I can I can understand that that he he wants to be there. But as far as the offense, like you said, Storm Woods is the key, and Victor Bolden. You definitely gotta watch out for those guys. But then also on the defense, the defense kind of struggled last last season as well. And so this year they got a new coordinator, and I don't, really don't think. That they're gonna make too much noise, but but you can't. But you always got to be careful with that. Uh, Oregon State, they they tend to be the team that punch somebody in the mouth or, or find some kind of way to upset someone. So, but other than that, I kind of see them probably going maybe four and eight, three and nine uh, around that area. I will give them a couple of years before uh, we can say that Gary Anderson did did a, a good job with them, or a bad job. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and and I definitely agree with you on that, because if you look at the body of work that that Mike Riley put in uh, at, at Oregon State, you know, winning 10, 11 games a couple years, winning eight, nine games, you know, throughout, and having that those two really bad years under his watch, this Oregon State team has been consistent throughout, and hopefully they can get back to that consistency that they've that they've been accustomed to being to being um to being that. And when you look at when you look at at other things that's going on around around Oregon State, I mean, um, they're starting to add new facilities. To the stadium, you know they've already done a, a facelift to their stadium um, on one side, um, and other things. So this could be a big time deal for them if they can get back on that on that high horse, so to speak, and get back to doing what they do best. Yeah, I agree. It's gonna take years. It's gonna take take a few seasons for for. Anderson to better re- recruit and they at least try to make them competitive. I think this year it's going to be even more of a down year than last year. I know last, last year was a 5-7 and seven record, but I think they're going to be probably somewhere around there. Uh, five, year, five wins will be a stretch, but 
three to four wins will probably be more of their mark this season. And again, they'll be very, very young, very young, and that I think that that's that's going to be their quote unquote excuse for this season is that they're young, and they really shouldn't use that excuse because yeah, they got some great young players that they brought in from the state of California and from in-state. So I think that, you know, they can't use that excuse. Well, no team should really use that excuse unless you're actually playing like true freshmen, period. Yeah, we'll see about them. Like I said, college can be very unpredictable. And mm-hmm. they can easily turn around and be a bold team as well. I'm, I'm just going with a gut feeling about the three wins, so the three to four wins. Until I, they I get agree. To... I, I definitely agree. So, uh, I mean, if you want to rank, if if you were to rank the big the Pac-12 North from one to six, from six to one, give me your give me your predictions. The Pac-12 North. Uh, okay, I could do that. Of course, you got to go with Oregon. Oregon probably the number one team coming out of um, that division there. And then two, Stanford. But I, I would say it, it, for the, the two spot, it's going to be a, a, a war between Stanford and Washington because, like I said, with Chris Peterson being there the second year at Washington, they they might have a chance to have a, a leap from last year. Last year wasn't as bad. You know, it did go eight and six. So we will have to see about that. So if two and two and three would probably be Stanford or Washington, but that can be interchangeable depending on how Chris Peterson coached those guys up in Washington. But of course four, I will go with California, five, Oregon State, and then six, Washington State. And those can be interchangeable too at five and six. Um, I think Mike Leach is going to struggle, and I, I really feel like he's probably going to be out after this season if they can't win at least seven to eight games, which uh, that, that's going to be a stretch for them. So that, that's that's how I would rank the Pac-12 North for this upcoming 2015 season. You know, and I, and I would agree. I would agree with that. And uh, but I would flip flop a couple teams around depending on their head-to-head because October 24th, you have Washington at Stanford. And I think the winner of that could be that number two, that number two team. And then you also got Cal at Oregon and Cal could spring an upset on Oregon um, on November 7th. So you got some, you got some big time matchups um, in that month of October, early November, um, even in even in late late September, you know, um, you know Washington State, and Oregon, um, Oregon at Washington, Oregon State at Washington State, you know that bit, that big twelve that Pac twelve North is is just it's going to be something special. Yeah, you know, I can just I can just see that coming down to the wire, and you may see the tide start to start to change in the Pac twelve. Um, in terms of who is a stronger division, 
because you may end up seeing cannibalization on both divisions, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I do, I do agree with you on that. And you know, one of the other one of the other clubs I want I really want to get into is um is um I want to get back to to Oregon and and um let's talk about their backfield and their receiving core because man. They are they are stacked. They are that team that that everybody talks about. You know, with Byron Marshall, Devin Allen, Charles Nelson, Dwayne Stafford, Dan Carrington, who is a question mark because of what happened at the Rose Bowl after the Rose Bowl, um, mm-hmm. testing positive, um, testing positive for marijuana. Don't know how that disciplinary action is going to go just yet. Um, but they've also lost a lot of people on the offensive line, like the uh, uh, Jake Fisher, Hamani Stevens, Horonis Grasu, um, and they also lost a lot of players on the on the defensive side of the ball, like Ifo Epre Alomu, who I thought was going to be a a first day draft pick, who dropped all the way down to like round five, round six. Uh, mm-hmm. Troy Hill and Eric Dargan. So you. You look at you look at what Oregon's losing. That may be addition by subtraction if you think about it. Yeah, I, I do agree because, uh, like I said, the, the the main piece they lost was Mariota. You can't we can't downplay that at all. Heisman Trophy exactly. winner, and then he went number two in the NFL draft as well. That that is a big hit, but at the same time, they still have a lot of versatility at quarterback. And then all those great receivers that you named, even if the quarterback is just average, you got a stout receiving core that's probably the best in the nation. So if you can get that ball to them some kind of way, that will kind of mask any kind of limits that you might have. So Oregon is definitely going to be – in the top five, top ten throughout the whole entire season, so that that's that that that's going to be key for them. I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree with you. And that that's just one of the things that everybody, you know, doesn't want to talk about is the fact that Oregon could be that team that everybody that everybody hangs their hat on, and I think they should hang their hat on. Um, but we'll get into that we'll get into that a little bit later. Um but what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna take a quick second break, we're gonna play a couple songs, then we're gonna come back and we're gonna hit hard with the Pat twelve South. How do you like that, T Rex? You know, we all about the South. <laughs> well, <Pat 12. laughs> Everybody wanna be down with the South. Oh yes. <laughs> I'm ready we're for the Pat twelve. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. My life like making a movie, and I know that you see it, man. I don't usually do it for 
take the trips and appreciate the chick. Remember this when you on social media frontin' this shit. I try to give you all of me. Taking shots like a G. From a chick that's a B. All you did was mislead. Hold up. You forget that I know you. So get them players and motives. If you let a dude do you wrong when I'm trying to compose it. Miss fake independent. Wish I could forget it. This is my revenge. Where it should be.
Welcome back to the Press Box with your man Jermaine on the tailgate crew. I'm here with my man T-Rex. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was definitely vibing to, to Tuskegee University. Definitely a shout-out to them. They definitely know how to, how to turn up there. and Definitely feeling the college at- atmosphere through that sound bite. Man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm so ready for college football season. Just listening to that, I mean, I'm up there whipping and nay-naying right now. It got it got me it got me feeling some type of way, you know. I mean, I guess because the college football is in the air, and, and we're talking about college football. And speaking of college football, we're gonna jump back into the into the Pac-12, and we're gonna go down to what I think is the class of the conference, the Pac-12 South. I mean, you got some great. Got some great ball being played here. You know, the L.A. schools, the Arizona schools. Also, Colorado putting it down somewhat. And Utah bringing, up, bringing it up some in some sort of way. You know, T-Rex, first off. Yes, sir. Well. We're looking at, we're looking at possibly one of the best divisions in all of college football. I Give agree. I, I will put them behind the SEC West as 
the toughest division in, in college football. You got to go with the Hollywood school. You got to go with USC as probably the front runner for uh, the Pac-12 South because you just they they are they're, they're just a team to beat. You got Cody Kessler. He's back for his senior year. He has some outstanding stats. He threw 39 touchdowns last year. They had a nine and four record. I think this is this might be the year they can talk not only conference championship, but maybe possibly a national title with this bunch they have coming in. Uh, you know, Sarkeesian, he's he, he's he's a good coach, good coordinator on the offensive side of the ball. So that hands down, this team's probably gonna be the team to beat. But like you said, this is the toughest division division in the, in the country, probably behind the SEC West, which we will see once the season starts. You got Arizona State, of course, they lurking. They 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 are coming off a good year. They had ten wins last season, and also Great. their rival Arizona was ten wins. So between those three, it's going to be very tough, very tough. But yeah, I see right now going into you know the preseason and to start the twenty fifteen season, USC is going to be that team in the Pac twelve South. You know, you, you look at the you look at at the Pac twelve South top to bottom. Every school in the Big 12 South, with the exception of Colorado, had at least nine wins last year. No other division in the country can say that. Right. When you look at when you look at this top to bottom, when Arizona went into went into USC and beat them, when uh, I'm sorry, uh, yes, Arizona beat. Uh, Arizona beat both Oregon and UCLA and went into Utah and um, <clears throat> went into Utah and lost a couple games there. I mean, I mean, with that, with this group of with this group of players that Arizona has, I mean, you got Andrew Solomon, who I think is probably one of the top quarterbacks in in the Pac-12 South, um, and then you have running back Nick Wilson. Uh, Caleb Jones as receiver, Trey Griffey. Um, the Griffey name is very synonymous with with athletics. The son of King Griffey Jr. Devontae oh, Neal, who who is this? Who makes catch after catch for no reason whatsoever, other than to just make you look bad. And Samaje Grant, who I think is probably very underrated because. He's like that third or fourth option who can be a number one option. So with that being with that, you know, you look at the defense also with Scooby Wright being that top player Scooby on snacks. That, that defense. Yeah. Yeah. Scooby Snacks. You know, and you look at you look at Jeff Castillo and what he's brought to the table uh, at Arizona along with, with Rich Rodriguez. I mean, top to bottom, Arizona could be one of those one of those schools that could easily go and beat USC. They can easily go and beat um, UCLA, and they can go to Utah, or Utah can go come to them, and they can beat Utah. So, any given 
any given weekend in the Pac-12 South, wow. I just, wow. That's pretty much all I can say about it. Yeah, I see. And like, and like you know, how, how it is with the SEC West, each team is capable of beating each other up. And it can kind of weaken weaken the team or the conference toward the end of the season. We we kind of saw that with the SEC. The same thing can happen here with the Pat Pat Twelve South. Uh, you, you got Arizona, UCLA, Arizona State, USC. Those those four teams there can actually beat each other up. And then you know you got you got you got the young guys there, Utah. You know they they've been around for a few years in the Pac Twelve. They can easily sneak up in that conversation as well too. So they all can end up beating each other up, and any of those five teams can end up becoming the division champ out of the Pac-12 South. Colorado, yeah, man, we, we can definitely keep them at <laughs> out the talks for Pac-12 South title for this season. For a few years anyway. to come. Oh yes, for yes, a few exactly. years to come. I mean, the stability of that program is so unprecedented unprecedented it's not even funny i mean because how do you go from being an elite big 12 program just seven years ago eight years ago to being a cellar dwelling school in a power five conference that's probably one of the best conferences in the nation top to bottom i put them at number two or number three you know, in terms of power rankings and conferences. But they haven't had the stability since uh, Gary Barnett got fired. They've gone through four head coaches in the past five years, and I don't I don't see anything good coming out of this situation for Colorado, and that's sad to say. Yeah. Colorado's kind of the, the team that everybody's going to step over. Um, they have kind of haven't panned out since coming to the Pac-12 from the, from the Big 12 years ago, and they just haven't really found their way in the Pac-12, so they kind of going to still struggle this year anyway. But I, I'm looking forward to this conference because it is, it is, this is the conference of the quarterbacks. And you got Rich Rod running things in Arizona with his fast-paced offense. Sarkeesian, the head coach and the coordinator, in my eyes, at USC that's running running the show there. I, I just like the coaching and I like the quarterbacks that's in place to help make these teams successful, not only in the conference but also in the national picture. Because, you know, at one time – it was either Oregon or USC, and that was it in the Pac-12. No one really respected any of the other programs. But this year, there are at least six teams or maybe even seven teams that you really got to respect coming out of this conference. And five of them happen to be coming out of the the Pac-12 South. South. I, I, I definitely agree with that. And when you look – when you, like I said, when you look at this – look at this division – top to bottom, you look at the quarterbacks that are in the division, led by Cody Kessler. You know, Taylor Kelly has graduated, but Mike Berkovich stepped in and played admirably last season 
uh, with limited with limited opportunities that he had. Um, he's going to step in. He's going to be that quarterback for for Arizona State. Um, I mean, you look at you look at um, at um, Utah with Wilson. You look at UCLA with Jerry Neuheisel or Josh Rosen from the Trinity League, um, St. John Bosco Prep, who was probably one of the best quarterbacks to come out of St. John Bosco Prep in a very long time. And he's another one of those Trinity League quarterbacks that's going to make a big name for himself in the in the Pac-12. Um, so with, with him – with him being there, you know, Jerry Newhousel. I mean, there, there's so many quarterbacks that can step in and be a game-changing quarterback in the Pac-12 South. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And I definitely got to get a shout-out to Jim Moore Jr. because I kind of was kind of skeptic about him coming from the NFL to college. I didn't think that he was going to be such a, a lightning rod for the, uh, the UCLA program. And and I'm telling they playing lights out. And I, I like how they have that pro style type, you know, system there w- w- with the experience that he had in, in, in the league. And that's going to be key. That's going to be key to if he can get those, get those guys ready to compete week in and week out in, in that division because uh like like we've been saying, you know, in hour number two of the show, the South Pac twelve South is going is is legit. And anybody any of those five teams can come out of it. So it's gonna be not only the the players but coaching. We got some very stout coaches that, that can make things happen in, in, in this division. And I definitely agree and you know if you look at that, like, like again, you look at the, look at the coaches that are in the Pac-12 South. Um, Charles Winningham, you know, like you said, Jim Moore Jr. is just the way that he runs that program is just like he's running a pro, a pro, a pro team. He's he's letting guys delegate, letting guys be their discipline, but when they step out of line, he's the first person to get on to them. You know. That's why you don't see any disciplinary problems. He's got his own. He's got what he calls a disciplinary panel, where it's made up of one junior. I'm sorry, one freshman, one sophomore, two senior, two juniors, and two seniors. So, when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, the way that he has it going at USC is something that we've never really seen out of any school before, because. He's gonna discipline in the right way. He's showing the type of discipline that you can you don't see anywhere else, other than, well, anywhere, anywhere, more or less. Um, I think one of the, one of the big one of the big problems with with athletics as a whole, um, and you no, know, I know this is going off subject, but you know it's the lack of discipline. Playing within within a program and and um yeah I know he's not even in, he's not even in the program as of right now but you look at a guy like a Soso Jamambo who comes from who comes from the state of Texas very highly recruited uh, from the Dallas from the from the Dallas Metroplex area 
gets himself in trouble on prom night and basically says that he's ruined his life. Well, you can't really ruin your life if you didn't have the type of guidance to show you a better way to begin with. Um, I think that if you look at you look at things from that perspective, you can't. I mean, you can't blame you, you can't blame anybody but yourself. You got yourself in that trouble. You know, you knew what you were doing was wrong, and I think that you just need to need to just step away and get, get yourself in order before you do anything else. Exactly, I, I agree with you on that. You definitely got to. You definitely have to be careful and and and, and try to make wise choices, especially at that age, and because that that's a very vulnerable age in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Teen years going into college, you can pretty much shape your future, or or you can make it a struggle to come out of it, depending on the choices you make to to have something to, to carry over into your adulthood. No, I agree, and I definitely agree. But hopefully, you know, he makes it through, and he can come to he can come to UCLA, and um, and make a name for himself. I mean, the guy's just an immense talent, and I wish you could just see him in action, T Rex, and like just see him play, and see what kind of skills he's got. Because this this kid is just wow. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he is an exceptional talent though. And um, you know, um, so I mean, looking at the schedule for looking at the schedule for USC and and, and at Pac-12 South, I mean, October 17th is probably going to be you know that marquee game of the season, USC at Notre Dame. Um. Arizona State at Utah, uh, Arizona at Colorado. So I mean, like October seventeenth is gonna be one of those weekends where the Pac twelve is gonna be put on notice. And I think that you if USC can pull off that that big upset, uh, pull off a win against Notre Dame, and Arizona State can can beat Utah. I mean, that all sets up, you know, that run in for everybody. But the Thursday before the big crossover game, uh, October fifteenth, UCLA at Stanford. That's gonna be so big in so many ways because that's gonna show everybody who's better. You know, the class of each division. Um, UCLA playing Stanford at Stanford. Robbery game. I mean, it's nowhere near the near the the hype that makes USC UCLA or Stanford Cal. But this 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 rivalry is it transcends everything because if you look at the grand scheme of things. Um, a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of running backs, a lot of great, great, great players have come out of this, come out of this game, and come out of both of these schools. So, how do you think some of these matchups are going to pan out? T 
T-Rex in terms of um, games in, you know, the crossover games with some of these schools. Well, you know, the USC Notre Dame game is always intriguing every year. Um, we can go historical. I remember back when um, Matt Leonard, Reggie Bush there, when they was making their run toward a national championship in 20, um, 2004, 2004, it was that was a great game. That was a great watching 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 that rivalry unfold because you had people that didn't like Notre Dame and then you had people that didn't like USC, but you didn't want USC to win a national championship. So with that being said, coming into the 2015 season, I think that matchup there, out of conference matchup, is going to be very intriguing because that could potentially set up a scenario again that Notre Dame can, can be could be a spoiler or USC can be a spoiler for Notre Dame, vice versa. And as as far as like in conference, I'm looking forward to seeing USC and Oregon play. I'm definitely looking forward to, to that matchup. Because you're gonna have one of the best teams in the Pac twelve North versus Pac twelve South. So those two games there, that's really what I'm looking at. And then also the rivalry games that you have in the Pac-12, the Arizona State and the Arizona game, um, Utah going up against um, USC, Colorado. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be some great matchups there. I'm I'm very excited about this conference this season. I'm really going to be tuned in to it because I know. Where we are broadcasting from, we had to watch uh, Fox Sports to catch a lot of the Pac-12 games, and and hopefully we'll get to see some of their games on prime time. And I'm definitely looking forward to to those matchups that's coming up this season. Well, I definitely am too. And uh, you know, as we as we we close in on, on the season, and you know, it's so hard to predict the Pac-12 South. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and give you my predictions for the South. Um, okay. I'm I'm going to go with Arizona State. Even though Arizona State is breaking in a new quarterback who who has playing experience, I like Arizona State. I like their defense. I like where where things are going with Arizona State. Um, I think Arizona can be that number two team. I think UCLA can be that. USC could be that number one team. But I'm gonna go with Arizona. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Arizona State, and I'm gonna go with USC. And then I'm gonna go three for me would be UCLA, four um, Arizona State, Arizona, and five uh, Utah. Six, of course, would be Colorado. But you know, breaking it down, any of these teams can have ten to eleven wins. Um, Nine win being that barrier. Um, so with that being said, T Rex, give me your breakdown of of predictions for for the season. Okay, well before I actually single out each team, one through five, you could really put them in a uh put. Uh, a lotto ball in for each one of them and, and just pick one. <laughs> because these teams are so closely 
matched up. It's it's ridiculous. It's very ridiculous how close the margin is between those five teams. But I know we have to pick a one through six for for the Pac-12 South. So I would go with USC. Like I said before, USC is that Hollywood team. That they they are like the the pro team of that area, even though they are a college team. Sarkeesian and and like I said, he has a very experienced quarterback coming back. That's that played lights out last season, and Cody Kessler. And then number two, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Arizona. Arizona number two, because Rich Rod they came so close to getting them over the hump and 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 and, and playing for uh, um, a spot in the playoffs, even though. They matched up against Oregon pretty well in the, in the regular season, but then when it came to time to try to win a conference title, it, it just wasn't there. But I think they are very close, and they are probably uh, one coaching strategy or one turnover away for winning that conference. So I'll put them at number two behind USC in the, in the South. Number three, I will go with Arizona State. Arizona State. They are still pretty solid. Um, Coach Graham, he, he's doing very well with them, and I'm sure they are doing all they can and preparing for uh, a shot at, at the division title. And, you know, you got Ta- uh, Taylor Kelly. He's gone now, but you have uh, newcomers that's trying to come in and, and, and solidify that, that quarterback position. So they ain't going to be too much of a, a drop-off there. So I, I have them at number three. But at number four, it's kind of a toss-up. I like Jim Moore Jr. I'm going to go with UCLA at that spot. But they could very well be the first team or the best team out, out of that division. Uh, they, they're very solid uh, coming in. That they, they have production on both sides of the ball. Definitely a Miles Jack fan. I'm definitely going to be root, um, rooting him on. And then number five, you have Utah. Never never count out a Whittenham coach team. Utah, they very tough. They are very stable and they they they're very underrated. If you look at the the last fifteen years of the Utah program with uh Urban Meyer being there up until Whittenham, this team this team has been there. They have won a couple of uh what uh, BCS bowls and and now, you know, with the playoff system, that they can easily run away with the South and, and, and have a chance at a conference title and even a national title. So I never count those guys out. And then last but not least, Colorado is going to be the, the the cellar dweller of that conference. They're going to be at the bottom of, of the pack of the Pac-12 South and the entire conference because it for some reason I don't I don't know why they haven't been able to get over the hump since been in the Pac-12. It was very competitive in um, the the Big 12 when they was there years ago and even won a title 25 years ago mm-hmm. when they um was co-champions with Georgia Tech. But they haven't been able to get anything going since been in the Pac-12. So they will be at the bottom of the Pac-12 South. And I definitely agree with you with with Colorado, and it's 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 a sad thing to see and a sad thing to to say, 
about Colorado because of the story history and the story programs that they've had, you know, in the past. Excuse me, in the past, and um, but I mean, there's also room for resurrection if they can get the right people, the right personnel, the right. How should I say it? Athletic director who's going to actually direct the athletics department and not let them fall behind in terms of facilities and things of that nature. Um, I think that from from that standpoint, you know, Colorado has potential to be that top school again, that top football school, top recruiting school again, if if they had the right personnel. You know whether it's whether it's the president, whether it's athletic director, as I've said, you know, just a few seconds ago, or whether it, if it's the right fit for Coach McIntyre as a you know for Coach Mike McIntyre, I think that if he can if he can recruit and get things going, at least get a six win season uh, there, like. Um, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Get a six-win season there. I think that that would jumpstart the recruiting, and that would actually help him in state because you look at a Mountain West, Colorado State, who's getting a lot of the players now because of that McElwain influence. When he when McElwain was there, who's now at Florida, you, you can't really do that with with Colorado now. I mean, you know. um, even the Air Force Academy is out recruiting you, and and they're a service academy. So that's just a sad, it's just a sad state of affairs at, at the University of Colorado. And do I think that it's going? Do I think that it's going to be a one year turnaround? No, it's going to be a two, three, four year turnaround. Maybe even five, mm-hmm. six year turnaround. I mean, if you can, if if they can find the athletic director that can show some sort of tolerance and some sort of um how should I say it, um some sort of, you know, flexibility because it's gonna take a while, you know, to get that to get that coach in there that's gonna show discipline. And that you know, until then, you know, we're gonna be in the same in the same boat with Colorado. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it starts from the athletic director, like you were saying. It, it it needs to be some kind of change made. I don't know if it's a facilities or, or what what's going on there because from from them to be a marginal to good program in the Big Twelve, which at that time the Big Twelve was was way better than the Pac twelve. Now, mm-hmm. with with Colorado being in there, they they haven't been able to, to to get over the hump. I just don't get it. So it probably starts with the leadership at the top was the athletic director, and then they, like you said, get an athletic athletic director that's gonna come in and and be passionate about getting that program, the facilities up, and everything for them to be competitive in the Pac-12. Now the Pac-12, in our opinion, well in my opinion, is better than the, the Big 12 now. So they definitely need to step up their game. But I definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, 
like I said, if you, if you stack up the, t- the Power Five conferences together, you know, one to five, I mean, the Pac-12 will be at that, you know, two or three for me. SEC still be on top, but um, I think that you know, like I like, like we both said, you know, I think once 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 you get that that passion back involved in the school, you get that that student that the student population excited about about football again at Colorado, then that's when you'll see some big changes come around. Indeed, indeed, they they definitely need some big turnaround and big changes. <laughs> With that being said, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Town shit, man. We on that new mic today, boy. Get your money out, bitch. GMD, what we doing? I gotta do what I gotta do, ain't no living, bruh. 27 years, a few scratches, but I made it through the brush. In God I trust, heavy cushion, must. Light it, it can bust up, even dollars just keep moving up. Devil, you got me fucked up, a real nigga never give up. Rules of the game still apply to niggas like us. How you living, fucked up? I vow to turn up. Stupid cash, living fast, living life is a must, nigga.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and I'm on I'm on the air with my man T Rex. Oh yes, definitely, definitely, definitely enjoying the Pac-12 South talk here. <laughs> we're gonna jump into some we're gonna jump into some into some things right now. Um, in terms of the schedule, we're gonna look at I'm gonna, I'm looking at the composite schedule for the season, starting off uh, Thursday, September third, and. I'm just going to just, just let you know. I mean, um, Michigan at Utah, and this is the first time that Michigan will ever play on a Thursday night, and they're playing at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Utah. Utah went to Michigan last year and just showed out at Michigan in that rain-shortened game uh, where they won 26-10. to 10. It could have been a lot worse. Um, <clears throat> I think that, that, you know, this whole that whole weekend um, – in the Pac-12, it's going to be pretty, pretty big. Um, you got a bat, you got a Pac-12 SEC matchup on September 5th, which is that ESPN2 game. Remember that ESPN2, nine o'clock. Uh, Arizona State plays Texas A&M in the Avacare 100 uh, game at NRG Stadium in Houston. That game in itself can be very, very explosive, and. You may have a new quarterback at Texas A&M, which we'll talk about in the next few weeks. And Mike Berkovich, who's going to lead uh, Arizona State into Houston to face the to face the Aggies. Um, I know we're both ACC guys, and looking at the Pac-12 versus ACC matchup, this has got explosion and SEC. Who's best written all over it? What do you think about that matchup, T-Rex? Well, I like Texas A&M. I think Kevin Sumlin going to have those guys ready to compete. As far as the quarterback situation, as you have seen in the last few years with Tannehill and, and Manziel and Kenny Trill Hill. <laughs> yeah, who's now at TCU. Of course, and the freshmen that, that they had come in after him, um, I think they're going to be very competitive. And, of course, you know, we do have kind of a SEC bias on certain things, and I, I probably would go with Texas A&M winning that matchup. I, I, I would tend to agree with you on this, you know, but I do like Arizona State. I mean, and they both come from, again, if you were to put these two divisions in the NFL, they'd be seven and eight in, you know, in terms of – well, they'll be four and five because they'll be ahead of the NFC North, you know, us being Bears fans. I think they'll be ahead of the, AFC, the, the NFC North and ahead of the AFC South. So – um I mean, like, you can definitely put them, like, five and six, you know, in the NFL, you know, if you want to do it that way. But we're talking mm-hmm. college football. We're talking college football. So, I mean, we're going to keep it at, at college football level. Um, you know, another another great game uh, that that's going to be under the radar is Virginia at UCLA. Um, this is going to be another great game. That's September 5th. Um, Boise State in Washington. 
they're gonna play that game on the blue. Stanford at Northwestern, which is which is starting to become that intersessional rivalry, that that Rose Bowl type atmosphere between those two schools, you know, the two private schools. Um I think that, you know, these those games early in the season are gonna be pretty good. Um and again, I mean like um just like I said, just going through the schedule and looking at some of the some of the bigger matchups, um UCLA at Arizona September twenty sixth, USC at Arizona State, um, that same day. Utah at Oregon that same day, Cal at or Cal at Washington on September twenty sixth. I mean, you've got you've got some great, great matchups, you know, in the early part of September. Um early on. Um you know, we I can go further on, you know, in the season. Arizona at Stanford. Arizona State at UCLA, Oregon at well, um, sorry, Washington at USC on on October eighth. So I mean, like we've said, a lot of these matchups can be very, very, very good matchups. Uh, I myself am looking forward to October third, which which is what I would say is going to be Judgment Saturday around mm-hmm. um, around college football. I mean that that uh, day you have Georgia Alabama, um, but keeping with the with the Pac-12 theme, you know Arizona Stanford, which is going to be a great one. Arizona State UCLA, it's going to be another great one. Um, and Washington State and California, which is going to be a shootout. So that October third weekend for us as well for myself as a college football fan. I just think it's going to be one of those nights to remember. What do you think, T-Rex? Well, I'm excited about September the third <laughs> to, to just get to get this thing rolling. That that's the first week of the college season. I'm definitely looking forward to the Michigan Utah matchup, and of course. September the fifth, which is Labor Day weekend, you got the matchups of the the smarts. <laughs> I, I call yeah. it Stanford and, and Northwestern. Uh, being from Chicago, you know we have Chicago roots. With Northwestern exactly. there in, in Evanston, Illinois. I would like to see that game. Um, it, it's going to be very intriguing with that. And then also you mentioned about the Virginia UCLA game. I, I think that was going to be pretty pretty good too. Uh, definitely want to see how that will be played with the the ACC versus Pac-12. I'm I'm just looking forward to the first week of the season, and even even some of these blowout games that expected, like the Oregon Eastern Washington, uh, California and Grambling State. Just, right. just, to, just to have these games scheduled where people can actually go out and enjoy themselves, uh, and, and at least enjoy the first week. And I know you remember years ago when Appalachian State played Michigan, and it, and that mm-hmm. upset. You always look for that potentially happening, especially the first week of the season. Really don't know what to expect. You know, we go through the preseason shows and and predictions all day, but until, until you get off, get on the field, 
the first week. Anything can happen. Any anybody can be upset the first week. So I, yes. I was just very very excited about to see the first week lineup of the Pac twelve, what, what what the games that we have coming up for them. And I I'm just ready for it. Oh definitely. I'm 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 ready for it also and you know, and and, and getting back to, to like a lot of the games that that we that we've been you know talking about in 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 the predictions. Um your Pat twelve win your Pat <coughs> excuse me, your Pat twelve North winner will be Oregon, is that correct? And your Pat twelve South winner will be uh USC. Who wins and will one of those two schools make it to the playoffs? Well I actually think someone from the Pac-12 will be in the playoffs. And everybody likes a comeback story. USC has been out for a long time because of the sanctions and loss of scholarships. Oregon has had many chances, more than anybody in that conference over the last five years. And they have come up with a goose egg every time. So if they really want to get the respect from the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, I strongly think that USC will come out as the conference champion and also get a berth in the college football playoffs. Okay. With that being said, will – Will USC play in either the Peach Bowl against the SEC champion, or will they play in the Sugar Bowl against whoever the Big Ten representative is? Because I think that there will be a a Big Ten representative there also. It's funny how things align itself. Like I said, we can go back 11 years ago when Auburn played Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl, USC just throttled Oklahoma to win the the national championship. I would like to see that matchup because, you know, they they say Auburn is uh, a favorite to come out the SEC this year by the the AP writers right now. So I was being a bias of that, I would like to see USC and Auburn play in the Peach Bowl for in the semifinals of the playoffs. And I, and I I actually like that matchup, and I actually think that that matchup may happen. You know, um, I think that if if push comes to shove, you know, I think that um, if the Big Twelve can ever get their things together, like they should have this past season with the um, with the commissioner, you know, saying what he said about that being co-champions, if he would have went with head-to-head, you would have had a team in the playoffs. But since you didn't, you had a team like Ohio State sneak in and get hot at the right at the right time, and they end up winning the end up winning the national championship. So I think it's all about politics, and it's all about what you know. It's all about how you play how you play on Saturday afternoons, and this is a big time. Like this is a big time for 
for USC and for Oregon should they make it because not only are they gonna not only are they gonna be in the playoffs, but they're gonna make a lot of money for their conferences as a whole. So I think that once once we get everything together and you look at everything from top to bottom, the Pac twelve is gonna get a team in. Definitely will get a team in. And if they can keep their nose clean in terms of, you know, playing those major conference games, um, especially, um, like I said, week three. Um, week three, Oregon at Michigan State. And um, I'm sorry, week two, Oregon at Michigan State. You know, if they can get past that and Oregon State can can take care of business at Michigan, um, I think that set itself up to be one of those to be the best conference in the nation um, with that being said I think that um, the matches are going to I'm not going to agree with me on this but I think that may leapfrog the Pac-12 to that top position I know I'm going to sound blasphemous when I say this but they could leapfrog the SEC in some ways. Yeah, it all depends on who comes out of the Pac-12 because if Oregon comes out, you kind of had to be skeptical about that because, like I said, they had many chances to win a national championship, and they failed every time. But yeah. USC is the last team, of course, to win one from the Pac-12, and maybe they can give this conference some credibility in terms of well, no, the USC is there. We 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 know they're gonna have a fighting chance of winning, and they could possibly win. So if if USC wins, I can see possibly at least and talks of them being better than the SEC. But as of right now, I really don't see it happening. <laughs> no, and, you know, and that, that's that's the thing about it. You know, you, you don't really see it until you get on the field. But, you know, the little tidbit, the little tidbit of, of trivia that I have for you, T-Rex, was who was the last school – to win a national championship that wasn't from the SEC before Florida State? The answer is <laughs> USC. That's before, right. Before the SEC went on that run of, of seven or the eight eight straight championships, seven straight championships, USC was the last school to win that championship. So. I think it could come full circle, but do I think that the national champion is going to come out of the Pac-12? Yet to be seen, but I think that it could happen. Yeah, I know everybody is probably have grown sick of the SEC, and then, of course, with Ohio State winning the national championship, that kind of made the naysayers happy about that. But now this could be another year where – the SEC could be out of the national championship game because of schools like USC and, and Oregon or possibly 
you know, Arizona State, Arizona, so forth. So uh, I'm looking forward to this this conference. Very excited. <laughs> it's, it's funny that I'm very excited about some Pac-12 football, being an SEC guy, and then be, having some Big Ten rules. But, yeah, the Pac-12 is definitely on the map this year, and they can be the best conference in this upcoming season. And with that being said, T Rex, is there any any final shout outs that you want to give um to the masses and also um to my mom who's listening, who's on the show right now, that's the number that you see, you know, that I see, you know. Hi mom, how you doing? Hi, Jermaine's mom. <laughs> well, yeah, Hi mom, I, how you doing? All how you right. doing? I'm doing just fine, thank you. How's work going? Good, good, good. I don't mean to shout you out in front. I don't mean to like out you in front of everybody, but you know, I know you're at work. You know, you still bossing up mail. You're right. <laughs> still bossing up I, mail. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the show, even though I don't really know too much about football. But uh, I think you all are doing a pretty good job. And mom, well, thank thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks a lot. You know, this is a premiere show, and thanks for being a part of the press box and being a part of my tailgate crew. Uh, you're welcome. Well, um, mom, I'll let you get back to work so that way you won't get fired or get in trouble. <laughs> so uh, continue listening. I'll push you. Uh, All right. Love you, mom. Love you too. I, I definitely want to give a shout out to my parents and, of course, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my lovely wife Wendy, and our children, family, and friends. Uh, great, great show. Talking about some Pat Twelve. Definitely learned a lot from the host Jermaine, and of, of course, it just make me even more excited for the college football season that's coming up in eighty-two days. Eighty-two days. And next week is seventy five days, seventy five days away. We're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk about the Big Twelve. So everybody out there who's listening around, the Pac the Big Twelve is, is the next destination for us. We're, we're gonna we're gonna hold it down for you. But you know, my shout outs is to my mom who's listening who's listening and y'all heard. Uh, my dad who you know who's laying down watching a little TV right now. My sisters, my sisters, my nephew, my nephews, Jamil, Michael, Justin, you know, everybody that's involved with with me. Uh, special thanks to T-Rex. Check out this Live by Terrence show tomorrow, 6 p.m. We're going to have some great guests on, on the show. Also, T-Rex, give me a preview of your show, man. Well, tomorrow we're going to be having Daniel Brooks on from Brooks. He will be joining us, and we're going to be talking about his resurrection of his music career. He he was part of a band called Fifth Element down here in the, in the Alabama, Georgia area, so we're going to have him on, and we're looking forward to to acoustic set by him. Sweet, 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 and I'm looking forward to that also. Um, also, uh, Special thanks to to the admin Wendy. 
Special thanks to UT Rex, Cordier, Casey, Valencia, TJ, Deontay, Tatum, Cameron. Y'all my y'all my dudes. Love y'all all. And with that being said, everybody have a great weekend. I'll see y'all next week. Back here in the press box with the tailgate crew. Peace out. Love y'all. Tonight, baby, it's all about you